Hello, this is Letters from the Least, and it's a production of the Grexley Podcasting Network. This show is written by Claire McCallan, produced by Kelsey Cronin, and edited by Laura Stone. To support this podcast and others like it, please join us at patreon.com slash Grexley. My name is Claire McCallan, and today we are in episode 8, and the theme is Crucifixion. Love your dreams, work hard, stay focused. A lot can change in a year. I know this, but even if it doesn't, don't let that break it down. Your goals and your dreams is where the magic's found. Failure's something that we all must accept, cause the only thing worse than death is regret. You dig? Crucifixion. I am so excited for us to get to dive into this topic, which is a a common theme in my work, I think, as it should be for any Christian, uh, whether it is, you know, we're talking about the actual crucifixions or the various crosses in our own lives. Yeah, let's do what we always do and jump right into our first poem and begin discussion. We have three poems on the topic today, I believe. Um, yeah, and let's get in. It's a little bit of a serious one, but very fruitful, so let's do it. Poem one. I will say this much. Every wound I ever had was self-inflicted. In one way or another, when I was miserable, it was because I had chosen misery. Often, I even reveled in it. At the time, I would have slapped my own cheek clean off the bone for even suggesting such a thing, but I can see it so clearly now. All the times I thought the world was against me, it was quite the opposite. Because the world doesn't move for you or against you. It only spins the way it always has. But God, God moves for you. He moves for you in one direction, and that direction is always towards him. Sometimes that movement is uncomfortable. But whether or not you characterize that discomfort as pain or growth is entirely up to you. It was entirely up to me, and often I chose to let my entirety be misery. I saw pain where I should have seen privilege. I saw human loss where I should have seen heaven's gain. I saw holes in my hands where I should have seen stigmata. I am coming to terms with the times I trivialized unity on the cross as just another splinter and nail. Bloody soul and dirty callous, I raise an empty cup in gratitude and sing. There can be no salvation without the eleventh station. Whew, that's a heavy one, you know. Sometimes, because I, I write these, I sort of, I catch and release. I write these as a way to process, and then I just pretty much never go back and look at them. It's, it's catharsis in its truest form. And so <laughs> I didn't practice that before today, so I really just got a dose of my own medicine. I'm like, oh, who wrote this? She seems upset. And is she writing to me? I, I seem to still have these problems. So it surprises me that I, I wrote this as if I had figured it out at this point. But yeah, you know, I agree. I agree with the author. I've got to say she makes some points about uh, choosing our own misery. I was actually just having a conversation with a friend today, looking back at my couple years living in Brooklyn and how at the time I would have sworn up and down that I was doing everything I could um, to find joy and peace. Now I look back and I just feel like I just see self-sabotage in a lot of ways. Um, 
because we really do like we choose our own misery like the option for joy and peace is always there but sometimes it's a more difficult option and that's why we choose against it uh we we have that choice every day misery is not thrust upon us uh sorrow i don't know if we can be forced into sorrow every day it's a choice you know like we may encounter suffering and difficulty but we have a choice about how we receive it. And I received it uh, in a way that kind of relished in the, in the misery. And I was a little bit of a glutton for, for angst, as I think so many artists are, because we think that that is the only, only way to have something to write about. Um, but this particularly, particular poem, with all of its uh, crucifixion, allusions, and comments about the 11th station, was written this past Easter during, of course, our quarantine period, when I was really just processing a lot, I had gone from living in New York City and getting to tour all over North America with my poems to living in a cabin in the middle of just nowhere, 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 wonderful nowhere, but nowhere. And this this was the result of it. And I'm so grateful for it. Uh, I think that's usually how it goes, right? We really have a lot of gratitude for our crosses once we've pushed past them a little bit once we've already died and come into the new life whatever that is that new phase of life we have a lot of gratitude for them and that is how I feel looking back at that poem it feels like it was written by a different person because I guess in some ways it was so this second poem was part of my second tour which I have referenced to you guys before called a Saturday Night Alone and it is about the loneliness that Christ felt on the cross. And I'm very happy to have the words in front of me right now because I have not performed this poem in six months. And I always found it to be the most difficult poem to perform because it was so emotional. And so I would just forget my words because I was getting so involved in it, kind of as if it was a prayer, which I think a lot of poetry doubles as prayer and vice versa. And also, I was always performing this poem at churches and Christian universities. So usually, for some reason or another, the way the rooms were set up, I would be performing and there would be a giant crucifix in the back of the wall looking straight at me. So I was always delivering this one straight to a crucifix and it was unnerving in a very good and necessary way. So, poem two. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I said, Father, forgive me, but I think they do. He said, Today you will be with me in paradise. I said, Salvation doesn't have to cost this price. He said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. I said, My God, I am not yet strong enough to care for another. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He thirsts. I drink the wine. It's finished, and I begin serving my time. Father, into thy hands he commended his spirit. Father, out of your breast I draw this lyric. My God, there is no greater loneliness and feeling forgotten by you. And I know that I often forget you too when I'm happy and busy and things are good. I don't always include you the way I should. 
sometimes it feels like when your son went home, we lost touch. It just feels like you and I, we don't talk that much. And I know. I could come over. I know you've got a ready and willing shoulder for the tears and the fears and the victories and the mysteries, but selfishly, Father, I just need you to come to me. Father, forgive me for I do not know what I'm doing. Today I want to be with you in paradise, but today I don't want to take your advice. I don't want to be anyone's mother. I'm scared of being held accountable for another. My God, my God, why have I forsaken you? When the things you ask of me are so simple to do. He thirsts. I hoard the drink. I dry my tears with a rapid blink and say, It's finished. But he says it's only just begun. He says, Father, forgive her, for she knows not what she's done. So that, like so many other of my pieces, was again another product of the Grudenwald Guild. I can't sing highly enough the praises of the Guild and just art residencies in general. That time of artistic isolation is invaluable and a gift that I would wish for anyone with creative ambitions. Um, that poem, yeah, was really painful for me to write. That was, that was a whole that usually my poems are in and out in 15 minutes. I just da -da 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 -da, write out, write out all my feelings and then they're gone and it's good. That poem has always been a little uncomfortable for me, um, for obvious reasons, I guess, which is very, very real. Um, Yeah, I I oof, always, always struggle with that one um, because it really is written as a funny little mix of a diary entry and a prayer. Um, and all of the times that I have said, especially um, the part where it goes, I dry my tears with a rapid blink and say, it's finished. But he says it's only just begun. He says, Father, forgive her for she knows not what she's done. And I think of all the times that I have thought in my faith life, like, all right, it's it's probably done. It's it's probably finished. And I had a conversation with a friend who I love and respect dearly yesterday, and we had a, a conversation about different times in our life um, when we've been thinking this might be the end of the road for our faith life and acknowledging those periods of desolation and of intense doubt. And I had a period that began my senior year of college. So I guess we're looking at three, three and a half years ago and lasted probably like two or three whole years. I didn't realize that I kept thinking it was done and it was still going on of doubt. And just, it's really, really hard when you feel isolated from your belief and you're just kind of feeling like it was finished. And I had a great conversation with my friend yesterday about faith and she was talking about how she's come to this realization that we really can't know that what we believe is the truth. Like there's no proof. Like we can't know. We act like we know, but we, we can't know. And the conversation that we had going from that point was really beautiful because we agreed that we can't know. And that's, that's why it's faith, you know, we'll never know. And we believe anyway. And that, that's the whole point. The whole point is that there will never be proof. If we had proof, what would be the point, right? It, it would take away all of the the beauty and the power of faith itself. And 
I think of all the times that I've lost that faith and kind of hung my hat, I guess. I just assumed it was finished. And he always, always forgives me because he knows that I don't know what I'm doing. And that is grace. And that is the grace and mercy that we can only hope to have the courage and love to extend to our brothers and sisters the way that he has extended it to us. And on the topic of our brothers and sisters, we'll move into our third poem, our third crucifixion poem, which is my Judas poem. Um, another character poem from the second tour, the um, Saturday Night Alone tour, written from the perspective of Judas. And so we'll just jump right in. Poem three, the Judas poem. I'm headed into town today because I just got paid. I've got 30 pieces of silver burning a hole in my pocket, lighting up my steps like a rocket. I did something bad, but I don't feel bad. <laughs> I looked at all the time I had wasted being good and I got mad oddly. I got even. On this oppressive system of right and wrong I was born into, I did something I swore I'd never do. And it felt great. Which is funny, because the priests and the parents and the self-righteous girl in the hall that I cannot stand all told me I was going to feel real, real bad. Wounded. <laughs> that was the word they had used. Wounded by the mistakes I had made. But I don't feel wounded. I feel paid. I've got 30 pieces of silver in my pocket and a whole day of pleasure on the docket. Not saying it was easy. Rising to the station, to this point of liberation, I had to unlearn everything they had taught me, trying to control me back in that small town, but just look at me now. I'm free. I can be who I want, when I want. I can be whoever I want, whenever I want. There's no commitment. No one I have to share my life with. I've got no one left to miss. It's great. I've been paid and I don't worry so much anymore about what God's got in store. I'm not subject to being his subject. I don't follow the man. I am the man. And so I only follow my plan. Because there is no something greater. Better to learn that sooner than later, yet freedom. Freedom is my God. Pleasure is my Lord. And since I've only got one life to live, you can rest assured. I'm not going to waste it worshiping someone who doesn't exist. Come on. All it takes is just one kiss. Hand him over to the Romans and you're free. No, better you're paid. Some might call me selfish, but I call me self-made. Sure, you'll lose him, but think of everything you'll gain. Money. Sex. <laughs> Power. Fame. So yeah, I'm headed into town today to celebrate. Gonna buy myself something nice. Maybe a little frosting. Lice, maybe a necklace, some braided rope for when I'm feeling 
reckless. Seems that now that I've decided he's not worth living for anymore, I've left myself without much to live for. Well, I mean, there's money. Sex. Power. Fame. But now that I know it's all just a game, it's not really as much fun. I mean, what's the point in playing if you've already won? If you've already been paid? So, thank you for bearing with me through that very long poem. I know it is a heavy one. Um, that was another another tricky one as far as writing. Again, also written at the Grunewald Guild. Um, painful to write and painful to process where it came from. Because, of course, the whole thing, like all of my poems, just poured out within like 15 minutes. But then it was a matter of like, whoa where did that come from? Like, you must have some things that you are not dealing with. Um, and it has been a, a cat, you, you know, I'd say usually, usually my poems for me, they're just catharsis, most of them. But for this one and the previous one, they've been more than catharsis. They've been catalyst. And that has been a huge gift and they serve, um, kind of in a way that I can only really compare to the litany of humility where it doesn't change but every time you read it in a new a new day or week or season of life it applies in a new way and it serves as a gut check and I feel so grateful um, to have these poems as prayer and to especially with the Judas poem to have the opportunity to empathize with one of the greatest quote-unquote villains of the bible um, to see this person who we just associate as selling out Jesus, but to empathize with him to the point where we are able to recognize the ways that we sell out Jesus daily is humbling and I think important. And that is that is why I'm so grateful for those two, perhaps my, my darkest poems, but those two poems. Um, but we will end on a positive note as we try to do with a very short poem that was written during quarantine um, after they shut down the churches and none of us were able to go sit in adoration or receive the Eucharist. We were separated from the sacrament. We were separated from each other. There was no community. It was really a harsh reality at the time when it was first happening. And so I wrote this short poem while looking at the sun and kind of, um, imagining my time looking at the sunset and taking in the sun as adoration and kind of as a universal adoration because we could all see it from our windows even though we were segregated. Poem four. There sat the entire world, exposed for him, consecrated to a god of mercy in a merciless time, begging to be taken off the cross as their blood turned to wine. The father looked with compassion at the spectacle, his children taking a turn in the receptacle. And as they suffered, praised, and mourned, the world learned that to wear a halo is to wear a crown of thorns. Yeah, um, rereading that now. This was fun because for today's episode, I didn't do a practice read through, so I'm getting a fresh pair of eyes on everything for the first time. I, I haven't read that poem maybe in like five months. 
Um, yeah, I think we are all being given a great opportunity right now. Um, I think we're being given an incredible opportunity to unite with the cross um, through these months of uncertainty and through this pandemic. And I feel very grateful for it. And we are we are having our turn on the cross um, in a way that is so incredibly Catholic because it is so incredibly universal. And what what a gift for the church, even when we can't be united physically, that we can be united in this shared cross. Uh, it's a huge opportunity to to be one. That's incredible. Just always lead with your heart. That's lesson one. Because if you don't, you'll have nothing, baby. Less than one. Stepping away from the heaviness of today's poetry, we will finish as we always do with two recommendations. Let's see, what have I been reading and watching this week? Just finished um, Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life. It's those four, like, I think they're an hour long episodes for one for each season of Rory and Lorelai 10 years down the road. It made me laugh. It made me cry. And honestly, present wasn't probably that good, but I would never be able to notice because I'm so emotionally invested in it. So I loved it and I found it deeply gratifying. And I'm so glad that I'm one of the lucky ones who discovered Gilmore Girls so late. So I got to just watch it all at once and watch even the 10 years down the road bit um, all at once. That was really wonderful. And it's one of those TV shows that I think we really, really need during this time because it provides, <laughs> gosh, this is maybe going to sound a little pathetic, but it provides the illusion of community when we can't have it right now during our socially distant times. And so I'm very grateful for it. It's the same way I feel about watching an old episode of Friends. You know, if I can't be with my friends right now, it's fun to just watch and laugh and just kind of feel part of that that community. I think that's that's a gift that really great television can give us. As far as what I have been reading, what have I been up to? Um, a little tiny bit, not very much, but a little bit of St. Faustina's diary and learning a little bit uh, more about her as I prepare for a little project on the topic. And that is all I will say about that, but some exciting things coming. And I definitely need to read a lot more and do a lot more research with her, but very excited as I begin that journey. Uh, thank you guys for listening and meditating on these kind of heavy topics with me today. My name is Claire McCallan. Our next episode is going to be much lighter, I can promise you. And I hope you have a great day. God bless.